Hi guys, welcome back to It's All Light. I'm your host, Natalie Baugh, and I'm so excited to come to you this week with today's guest, Taylor Church. Hello. <laughs> so, Taylor, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, let's see. I, um, I moved around a bunch. Um, I've lived in Arizona, Nevada, Washington, Utah. Um, but I've been in Utah for a while. Um, I'm a writer, so I have a few, few books published. I do a podcast myself. It's called of stone and clay. Cool. It's kind of, um, yeah, it's kind of just about life, just about kind of digging into people's souls and, and figuring out what makes people passionate and what makes people tick. Um, and I play semi-professional spike ball, which is a weird detail. Oh, that is cool. Um, yeah, kind of, kind of a random hobby that got out of control. Um, That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I grew up playing basketball a lot. I coached high school basketball for a few years. I was a history major at UVU, um, served an LDS mission in Brazil, um, yeah, those are those are my my main resume data points. Wow, that's cool. And now, what's like a random fun fact? You shared the spike ball one, but like, I guess we'll learn a little bit more when we talk about what you light up about. But before you do that, you said sure. you're a writer. What's one of your books people could mm -hmm. look out for? Um, so I have three books. Um, one is called "I'm Trying Here." It's kind of a funny, self-deprecating memoir about dating and relationships. Ooh, being in your 20s. interesting. Um, yeah, and then I mean, it's by no means like an instructive book or like this is how you date book. It's it's just like my my stories and things I've been through. Um, That's pretty awesome. Is it then, like? Is it like on Amazon? Uh-huh. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I have a book called Return Not Desired, which is about the Holocaust. Um, Whoa. And then I have a novel. Then I have a novel called Nevertheless, the Fish Are Dead and the Chair is Broken, which is a long, obscure title. Um, so, yeah. Wow. From what I gather, you're a very deep person. <laughs> I mean, I, I actually don't know where we met, probably in like a ward or at a friend party or something, but like all of the points you've yeah. shared about yourself are very deep, deep leveled, which is really cool and interesting. Thank you. Thank you. You would, you would agree. <laughs> you feel that in your soul? I, I don't know. I, I think, um, I like to think, I like to pursue depth. I think, you know, going out and announcing how deep you are is actually really shallow. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But, um, I, yes. Okay. <laughs> But so, so yeah, I mean, depth, depth is a spectrum, just like anything else. So I think I like to pursue deep things, how deep that makes me. I don't know. I think we're all deep in some areas and shallow in others. The pursuit of depth. I love it. Um, so what yeah. else do you light up about? I mean, we have a, a decent little background about who, who you are, where you're from, etc. But what do you light up about? What are your passions? Uh, um, I think... This is a hard question because this is like, you're essentially asking like, what are you passionate about, right? What makes you really happy? What makes you tick? And yeah, there's probably, there's probably like four or five main things. And for me, I do better in life mentally when I don't have all my eggs in one basket. 
um, hmm. when there's when when there's multiple sources of joy in my life. Um, of course, you know, I, I get joy and I get light from from my faith and my religion, um, my my pursuit in that. Um, I get a lot of light just from art, which you know encompasses my writing podcasting but it's also it's also consuming good art you know it's it's listening to podcasts it's reading good books it's watching good movies that inspire me and make me want to create more myself um and so Mm. you know i'll have i'll have days that i just like all i do is like record a podcast and read for five hours and i feel amazing every day and you read for five hours this is just an example yeah, I, I said okay. I'll, I'll have days like that. Wow, you know? that's awesome. I mean, um, hey, in, in a perfect world, you know that that sounds like a great a great yeah. life for me. But um, for real. But I'm also I'm also I'm also very extroverted, so mm. I can I can enjoy that time digging into a piece of art. But I'm also like always hanging out with people and always going to dinner with friends and, and, and doing things. So yeah, I think probably, uh, probably the main thing that makes me light up is people, you know, just being around people that, that I love and people that make me laugh and people that make me think. Um, so yeah. I love that. I feel like 90% of the people I have on this podcast, that is their answer, which is just the fact of life. People need people. And it's, well, and just, the truth it's just is, cool. Like, yeah, and you're also probably more likely to get extroverts to be on a podcast. <laughs> also very true. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. your 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 data might your data might be a little skewed. True. But, true. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've gotten a few introverts on here, but yeah, I think if you if you give this podcast a chance or listen to it, you can tell who's extroverted and who's not. But you would say you are yeah. an extrovert. Oh, to to the very core, yeah. Really? Okay. I I like that. Me too. I so it's something I can relate more on. Although the older I get, the more introverted I feel, which I feel like is my pathway of like pursuing depth, you know, and what that looks mm-hmm. like and taking that time to maybe listen to more podcasts or read more books or just kind of soul search. Right. I feel like I've been in a a groove where I'm like, I want to soul search. Like what about life do I need to work on right now and figure out how do you feel like you do that in your life? Um, how do I, how do I soul search? Mm -hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I think it's, I think you try to, you try to come up with a way where it's at least for me, I try to, I try to live my life where like, that's just kind of a constant mm-hmm. byproduct of how I'm living my life. You just know, like always I'm, self-reflecting. I'm certain, yeah. I'm just, I'm trying to break things down. I'm trying to think about things and it's not me putting in my Google calendar. Hey, let's soul search later this week. You know, mm-hmm. it's, right. it's, it's, it's me just trying to, get everything out of every experience and and then reflecting back on it and seeing what I could have done better what I could have Hmm. learned um so yeah how do you incorporate that reflection like Um, is that time you set aside sorry go ahead (laughs) 
No, I'm not a big, I'm not a big set aside. Um, <laughs> I kind of, I kind of go by feel, you know, I, I don't like to, I have a lot of like to do lists, but I don't like to plan things out very particularly. I like to kind of go with just what, what I feel that day. But um, for me, a lot of soul reflection is, is in my writing. It's like, if oh, I'm yeah. a little bit unsure, a little bit unsure of how I feel about something, I write about it. And in, in that writing, it kind of, I kind of discover what I actually think about something. Cause sometimes you have all these just kind of jumbled thoughts and you think you have an opinion about something, but even really personal things, like if I'm going through a breakup, I'll sit down and just write about it. And, and along the way, sometimes I realize like, wow, like I actually, I actually really miss this person because of this and this and this. And I mm -hmm. actually, I actually don't really have these resentments. I thought I had, I just, that narrative was helping me move forward. Um, there's so many things. Interesting. That, yeah. There's so many things you don't really realize because you haven't, you haven't really fleshed out your thoughts. And sometimes when they're in your head, they're kind of, they're kind of dangerous. Like some of the thoughts, you know, they make you sad, they make you self-destructive. And so you just kind of avoid them. But when, for me, oh, yeah. when I sit down, for me, when I just sit down and flesh it out and really write everything out, I can kind of really come to terms with what I actually feel. Hmm. That is so wise. And I feel like people tell it, tell that to us often, but the actual implementation is really hard. Do you try to journal every day? Is that something you've built in your life? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and and I, but here's the thing. I think a lot of people struggle with journaling because they're not writing. Isn't something that comes easy to them, mm -hmm. and so to them it becomes. They either feel like, oh, I haven't written in my journal for a week, so I have to write twenty pages, mm -hmm. or they, or they're like. Or they're like, I'm writing every day and nothing is happening. So I'm just writing like, oh, I went to lunch today and went to work and like, I'm kind of tired. Why would I like, write that? Yeah. Yeah. So I focus on not events, but I focus on feelings. Mm, write down what you're right? feeling so more than. I, yeah. I, mm. Yeah. And, and, you know, so I like to write down, you know, certain events to remember them, but it's more like, yeah, I went to dinner with so-and-so tonight. It was fun. But the reason it was fun is because I cherish these conversations so much. And I realize when I'm opening up, like, it's just, it just becomes more about what's going on in my head than actual, actually just replaying events. Hmm. That's so interesting. So have you always been a writer? Like you said, you've written books. Like, did you love writing um, growing up? Kind of. It kind of snuck up on me. It's funny. I, like, I have completely like thoroughly finished journals since like first grade like mm -hmm. I just always wrote in a journal but it wasn't like me thinking oh I'm gonna be a writer when I grow up hmm. it was just this weird compulsion to like document my life <laughs> which is a maybe a weird sentiment as like a mm -hmm. nine-year-old um, but, but yeah but yeah, I just I just wanted to document things. And then as I got older and got to become a better writer and a better reader, it became more um, 
yeah, more of what was in my heart than just like, yeah, I played basketball today and I scored eight points and Jimmy was mean to me. <laughs> I have a cru- I have a, I have a crush on Sarah, you know. I love it. <laughs> wow. Okay. So your first book was which one again? Uh, it's called I'm Trying Here. I'm Trying yeah, Here. Kind of a funny memoir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what advice would you maybe give someone who wants to write a book one day? Like, how did you get there? Um, here's what I would say. And this might come off a little bit snobbish, but I just, I so often get people tell me like, oh, I, I want to write a book someday. And my mm-hmm. response is usually like, are you a, a writer at all? Like, do you, are you interested in the craft of writing? Because like, a, it's very difficult. It's very difficult to finish a book and then to publish a book is a whole nother beast. And mm-hmm. so to me, if you just kind of have this fun idea of, oh, I'd like to write a book someday, maybe maybe, um, maybe it's more like I want to write down this story I have in my head just for me. Um, but the idea of like, I want to publish a book one day, like you better be a, like – you better be an English major. You better be reading all the time. You better be like in writing groups or yeah, no, I've, I've delved into it just a little because I do have that dream of, Oh, I want to write a book one day, but I haven't ever mm-hmm. done the things that I needed to. Cause that's just not the time in my life right now, but I admire it. Yeah. And I love writers. I also just get overwhelmed going to like a library and just knowing how many people have written books and how many mm-hmm. books are out there and where to even begin. I think my Goodreads, I have a pretty good stacked list of what books I want to be reading, but yeah. it's kind of it's kind of daunting sometimes to think about all the things we should be reading, we want to be reading. And of sure. course, self-help books, I think, hit you in your mid-20s, you're, throughout your 30s, you're wanting to read self-help books. But I'm also like, oh, yeah. I still want to remember the magic of reading a fantasy book or a sci-fi mystery you know so it's like balancing Mm -hmm. when you make time for those and and like you said finding those days where you can just go read for five hours you know and putting in that time what what would you say your why behind doing that is obviously you're a writer you enjoy stories you enjoy reading Mm -hmm. but what else could maybe help spark Uh, others (laughs) to to just read more Uh uh-huh yeah um yeah, for me, like, I was a late bloomer. Like, I I grew up, like, writing in my journal obsessively, but I didn't really start to love reading till I was, like, out of high school. Like, mm. um, when I was younger, I would read, like, nothing but sports books with a lot of pictures in it. Like, nice. <laughs> love that. And, uh, but, um, but that was kind of my gateway. That got me interested in, in learning facts, you know, and learning about only things that I'm interested in. But um, I usually tell people like, you have to you have to read the right books or you're not going to enjoy it. You know, like, totally. For me, for me, I know the genres that I love. I know the authors that I love. And like you said, there's a never ending well of books I want to read. But most people that read like, because I would say most people, this is a really sad reality, I would say most people read zero books a year. And then I would say, but I would say the average person reads one to two books a year. Okay. Right. And so I think most people like the idea of reading. They like having read a good book, 
but they're, they're too busy. They have ADD, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but for me, like, if I'm not reading, I'm not in a good place. Like I need to be reading. I need to be consuming knowledge. I need to be consuming beautiful art. Like it's not just knowledge because I read a lot of fiction, mm-hmm. but I need to be reading. Be- I need to be consuming beautiful things. To me, it's like the same thing as like, sometimes I need to just go outside and see a flower. You know, I need mm-hmm. to go. Yeah. See a be- a, I need to see a, I need to see a beautiful sunset the same way I need to read a beautiful sentence. Mm, I like that. And that just feels like part of your soul, right? As yeah, you're describing yeah. this. And, yeah. And, and, and I also feel like the more you read, the more you get to live. Like mm-hmm. you, mm. you dive, you dive into different characters' lives, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, you learn about people's experiences, you become more empathetic, you learn more oh, about totally. culture, you learn more, you learn more about people's different thought processes. Um, and so I think it's a cool way to kind of live twice. It's so powerful. And podcasts are pretty pretty similar too, but the experience you get from reading versus listening to a podcast or even an audiobook. I do love audiobooks, but something about the words on a paper and reading them and processing it that way, I feel like just yeah. makes it makes a big difference. Ooh, you're getting yeah, me totally. excited. Like my soul's like, "Oh yeah, this has been missing in your life." And Hopefully people listening can question like what gets your soul excited and what forms of art have you been missing out on that you need to take in? And maybe that's finding a good book and mapping out time to read it. Or for me going to an art museum, like I also love that you mentioned just like running outside to see a sunset, like sometimes Mm -hmm. get up early and watch the sun come up will change a lot of perspective in your life. Do you have any examples where that has happened to you, Taylor? Um, sorry, examples of what? How art has just affected the course of your life, course of your week. Um, yeah, okay. Let me go a little bit more macro here. But okay. for me, like, I'm so... When consuming art being books, movies, music, you know, those are kind of my main three forms of media it's like i'm so as as a maker of art i'm so concerned with the details of like i said you know a beautiful sentence or beautiful lighting in a movie or amazing lyrics in a song and so a byproduct of that is i feel like i'm noticing more things just in my general life i feel like i notice a little smirk on a stranger i notice um, a specific gate of of a family member. I notice the shift of a cloud, of, of a shadow. And, it, you know, it's not like I have an all-seeing eye that sees more than other people, but I'm just, I'm just so much more interested in the details of life because those are the, those details are what I'm looking for in my art. And so, mm. I don't know, it just makes life more enjoyable. I think when you are looking for little little bursts of beauty. Oh, I love that. That's so cool. Um, so you feel like you do a pretty good job at, of that, like daily, like what helps you remember to look for those things that feed your soul? Um, yeah, it's just become a, a habit now. Um, mm. but I, I also started this, I started this journal that's like, it's not a traditional gratitude journal, but what it is is 
and I started doing this when I was just having a really rough time and I was having trouble figuring out, I was having trouble like on bad days, feeling like there was any redeemable part of the day, <laughs> you know, feeling like this day was a total bust. Like mm-hmm. it might as well not have happened, you know? And then I, I stepped back and I was like, that's such a horrible attitude. There's so many little moments of beauty in my day, but I forget about them because I'm I'm so affected by negative emotion, unfortunately. And so it so this journal becomes what I do is I just write down good things that happened that day. And sometimes they're really small, like, oh, I saw this um you know, I saw this beautiful sunset or um I got a really sweet text from from my friend or um I watched this show that was I was excited about made you laugh Um, or something (laughs) yeah yeah and um and and the interesting thing I do is the next day or you know if I miss a day or whatever I'll come back and I'll highlight two or three of the best parts of each day oh and and so then I go back and I I kind of end up seeing a pattern of what are the things that really make me happy and stand out and are important and they're usually they're usually kind of the same things that for me they're usually like conversations with with friends or like a, a telephone call like you know my mom called me we talked for an hour or you know and because sometimes in my head i think like this this and this is what makes me happy but then i go and look back at the data and it's like no like these are the things that really made your day and and it was also helpful because the there are days that are complete trash, you know, like everything goes wrong. Like someone breaks your heart and then you, you, you slip in dog poop and, <laughs> and then your, and then your car won't start. Oh, and, then, like, yeah. it, and it's snowing. It's just, you're like, today snow. is just, today is a nuclear disaster. But, um, but when I can just be like, okay, today was a bust, but like my, my freaking lunch was really good. Okay. And mm-hmm. there was a really great fun, funny back and forth in our group thread. And like this package came in Amazon for me today. Like yeah. just focus on these little tiny wins. And then you realize like, yeah, dude, every day is ups and downs, but like there's just beauty all around. Mm, that's so true. And I feel like we could talk about this every week on the podcast. And sometimes we do because it's something we're so easy to forget, you know, like, especially when those harder, bad things are happening. It's like, we, we latch onto that. And I think sometimes it's because our brain is like avoiding pain yet in, in a funny way, we like latch onto that. I don't really understand the psychology of it all, but. I love that you yeah. said like collecting data, like going back to your journal entries and highlighting the most important things, because it's one thing to write it all out and get it out on paper and help you discover as you write and reflect. But it's another thing to actually use it as like a tool to propel you or a tool to learn something new about yourself. Like sometimes I write, I'm like, why am I even journaling if no one's going to ever go back and read these or if I don't even go back and read these so it's cool. Maybe yeah, just yeah. every two days, just highlight it. That's awesome. Yeah, totally. And I'm going to use that as a segue into another way of collecting data in our lives through writing, through reflecting, 
But now I want to pivot to a passion about love and relationships because that's something I've heard is like, yeah, you spend time with someone to collect data and to know how you feel about them. Right. And so it's like, okay, yeah, you're just gathering Mm. more data. Every decision you make is just more data, whether it's right, wrong, mistake, whatever, like you make that decision, then you determine whether like what kind of data it is. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, um, I would agree in those early stages when you're dating. Um, yeah, I think a lot of it is you're just, you're collecting data, right? But I think a lot of times, a lot of times it's really abstract data that you're like, I don't really know what this means, but it makes me feel good. Or the opposite, like, I don't know why, but this kind of bugs. Like, you know? I'm not in. <laughs> yeah, no, and we've all felt yeah, that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, I... I started I started doing this thing um, a couple of years back where I realized like you know how when you start talking to somebody and you've been out like let's say three or four times and you're like kind of interested but you can't really figure out how interested you are mm-hmm. but you're kind of like you want to be interested. Mm. Um, I I started realizing okay to me there's like there's five pillars of dating. Okay. Let's go. And, and the reason these pillars are important is because I think a lot of people, um, a lot of, most people I would say consider all five things, but they don't consider them in order. And I think Hmm. they need to be in order. Okay. So there's order to these five things. Got it. Yes. So I think first is personality. Okay. Okay. Like, of course you have to like have a bunch of other things, but if the personality is, even like on a score of one to 10, if the personality is just a seven, like it's over, mm-hmm. like the person, the person's got to go. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem, the problem is when you get outlier scores on the other ones, you get, things get really confusing and murky. Interesting. But, so you got, okay. you got personality, you got personality first. It has to be a seven have, and a half or above. To me, it needs to be like 8.5 plus. It needs okay. to be crazy high. Crazy high personality. This is like, this is your person. This is who you want to be with the rest of your life. Like, you better think they're, the personality is everything. Right? And before we move on to the second point, what would you define personality as? Like, compatibility personality or just someone who has, like, who they are innately is their personality and you're attracted to that? It's kind of both, right? It kind of yeah. encompasses just, like, how how much you like that person, like, naturally right yeah okay talking to them like how interesting they are like it encompasses a lot but that's and that's why it's number one right um okay okay and then and then and then and then two you have attraction slash intimacy which you could argue doesn't need to be that high but my argument is you're gonna struggle if it's not that high like and that's kind of how you get your that's how you get your foot in the door that's how you become obsessed with somebody is by having a high level of attraction right Mm -hmm. oh yeah but but i will say attraction your score doesn't need to be as high as personality okay Okay? it just needs it just needs to be high enough whatever that is for you for some people it's not as important right um for Mm -hmm. others it's super important um so to me, that's more like, yeah, it needs to be like a seven plus. They just need to be really attractive to you, you know? I like that, yeah. Um, and then from there, you got spirituality, 
which is more like just being on the same spiritual plane, whatever mm-hmm. that is, you know, even if you're atheist, like if, if they're super Christian, it's, it's probably going to be tough, you know? Um, Does that one encompass um, values as well? Or is um, that separate? It could. Okay. Yeah, value, values you could put into spirituality, you could put into personality. Even. That's um, true. There's, that's the thing. There's a lot of subcategories, right? But fourth, to me, you have intellect, which, again, for some people maybe isn't super important, but it's, it's being on the same plane, right? It's, it's seeing the world similarly. Well, and um, being able to have just deep again here we come back to deep but in a way deep conversations because that's what i think every soul longs for and if that's a deep conversation about pop culture great you know like it can be on different levels at any time but yeah i love that one that's a good one yeah totally and then the fifth is a little bit more ambiguous it covers a lot it's kind of your emotional wellness your ambition your mental health your Mm willing your your willingness to change your willingness to admit you're wrong just kind of that whole i call it like emotional wellness and how you handle things probably i mean that's something people have talked about in dating and it's like yeah go on a road trip give them tangled christmas lights you know like you have to see how someone reacts i guess and and deals with stuff totally and so the for me the main point in focusing on these pillars is sometimes like I said, you get really thrown off by outlier scores, right? You're like, Ooh, yeah. you're like, attra- you're, you're like attraction wise. They're close. They're like a nine five. They're, they're off the charts. It's crazy. I can't handle it. But <laughs> they're like the, but the personality is like a six and you're like, mm. but their spirituality, their spirituality is 10 out of 10. They're super smart. They're really good, you know, but it's like, to me, you have to realize like, if, if one of these areas is suffering too much, it's over, right? Wow. Yeah. And, and, and so, because, listen, how do, you, how do you determine the volume of the volume of a cube, right? You go, you, you times each things, you, you times each side by each side, right? The length and, and the width. the volume. <laughs> right? Right, right. Yikes. But um, if you, to, to me, if one of these is, is zero, then your score is zero. Oh, right. Because anything by zero is zero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So okay. Think... Or below a five, maybe, if you're doing scales out of 10. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not really going to have a score that's zero. Like someone has zero intellect. You know, someone... <laughs> right. <laughs> I love that. I actually... But, um, oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, you, I was just going yeah, it's, if it's too, too low, it's a zero. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's game over. So mm-hmm. I like to use that in those initial stages when I'm like, yeah, like we're having fun. She's really cute. Um, I don't know. I think I like her. I'm like, okay, well, let's look at, let's look mm-hmm. at the pillars. It kind of helps you discover like where you fall. Yeah. And sometimes you're like, okay, maybe I'm confused because I haven't really seen much of this yet and I need to go discover this. True. Or true. I, I haven't seen I haven't seen their spiritual side yet, and so I need to go figure out if that's where I want it to be. Because um, usually attraction you can see pretty quick. Maybe yeah. maybe chemi- maybe chemistry and intimacy you're not sure of yet. But um, mm. and personality, of course, that can grow with time as well. But it's True. like, yeah, I just like to to look at those kind of basic things and be like, okay, 
am I really interested or do I just want to be interested? Yeah, that's so interesting. I'm sitting over here kind of reflecting on a little bit of my history, my past. You know, I was in a about a year long yeah, relationship, yeah. right? And I had my hesitancies at different points of the relationship. And I feel like I tried to like, even like literally make a graph and plot data points and go through areas of compatibility. And I feel like I did that periodically, but I could never quite pinpoint the hesitation. And it's so funny because the relationship didn't work out. So I'm like, that is another aspect of like, just trusting your gut with someone but it is yeah. so helpful when you you kind of know maybe the reasonings because then it just propels you to figure it out the next time what do you think about just gut yeah. feelings yeah i mean here's the thing your gut your gut gets better with time so if you don't mm. have a lot of dating experience if you don't have a lot of dating experience to me your gut is worthless <laughs> <laughs> that's like, funny so your gut's based like, off of like, learning and experience yeah yeah and hmm. you know it's hard to it's hard to just have intuition based off of no experience you know true and so true true to me like people that um like whatever they come out of high school they get off their mission or whatever and they marry somebody super quick always makes me nervous because i'm like i don't think their gut knows what they want they just hmm. are like oh i met somebody that likes me back this this feels awesome this is new and you know sometimes sometimes that works sometimes kind of double naivety works in your favor mm -hmm. but to me um yeah to, to me like i feel like i trust my gut implicitly but it's mm. because i've been through so much i've dated so much like i just know i know that my gut doesn't really steer me wrong but it did in the past. Like I look at when I was younger That's true. and my gut, my gut had bad brain. Interesting. I feel like if you're over 25, 26 and you're dating and you're single, we need to adopt the idea of some of those younger kids that are just getting married and do it because whatever you need to learn, you can learn with someone else. And I think sometimes you get older and you want to have more things figured out because you have more experience but i think we lose the fact of like you know what we can try and try it together if it is like yeah we both like each other let's go for it i think the older we get obviously we get more picky and we know so many more areas in our lives but i think these five pillars can apply to those young kids getting married you know like at the same time they're still it's still good not to go overboard with them but also just just doing things and acting because that's how we get data and experience, I guess, huh? Oh, yeah, sure. Do you think we need to be more like that? More just go for it? Um, I don't. Okay, why? I, I would disagree. Let's um, hear it. I think, I mean, listen, I I think the problem, if, if you're getting older and getting pickier as you get older, which is kind of a natural byproduct, Yeah. I think the, I think the main problem with that is you need to you need to ask yourself you need to be really self-honest and say okay i'm getting pickier but am i becoming a better version of myself mm. you know yeah can i afford to be this picky you know because if you have a lot of dating options in my mind you can be picky like because to, to me like really attractive girls are 
really, really picky, and as they should be. They have way more options, you know? But to me, if you're not working on yourself, whether that's whatever, whether that's physical fitness, whether that's your spirituality, your your mental health, if you're not improving as a person, to me, you don't really have the right to be pickier and pickier with each year, you know? But if you're becoming, if you're a better dating prospect at 28 than you were when you were 21, you should be pickier, right? Interesting. I'm reading a book right now, though, that kind of is... At least on the girl side of things, if a girl gets past 30, honestly, dating becomes honestly near impossible. Okay, not near impossible, but it's so much harder because let's say a girl's 35. The 35-year-old men aren't going for 35-year-old single women. They're going for 26, 27, 28-year-olds. So yeah, listen, you, you have listen, to just... <laughs> listen, listen, listen. Okay. It, it's, not, it's not fair, but it is completely different dating experience as a man versus a woman. So yeah, like, yeah. I, I, I agree with you as a girl gets older, unfortunately, this isn't my like philosophy. This it's isn't just kind of how it is. But, but girls value starts to wane, right? Mm. Whereas a lot of guys, especially if they're successful and, and staying healthy, their value almost goes up as they age, you know, to a certain extent, to a certain yeah, number, to a certain extent. Um, so, so to me, it's like, yeah, if you're, if you're, um, you just look at it like, like in the marketplace, like, you know, mm -hmm. we, we joke about dating, you know, going into the dating marketplace, but it's like, it's pretty true. If you feel like within the market you're in, you can afford, to, to be picky, then by all means be picky because you deserve mm -hmm. as, be as best as you can get. But you have to be self-honest and realize, okay, is my stock rising or is it falling? Mm, true. Yeah. And that's, and that's not, you know, I think age is a part of that, but mm -hmm. there's, there's other factors, you know, if yeah, you're, there are. if you're, if you're, if you're a lot less healthy physically than you were five years ago, your stock is probably dropping, mm. you know? But, but if you're, if you're like going to therapy and you're working on your mental health and you know, all, your stock is rising. So you, to me, you have to look at, you just have to be realistic with yourself. Right. And you have to, you have to ask yourself some, some maybe some hard questions, but and I agree with you. It's infinitely different for women than men, unfortunately. Yeah. This book is called marry him, the case for settling for Mr. Good enough. And like to Whoa. a point. To a point, you have to, everyone will settle because no one's perfect. That's the point of the book. Um, it's not settling sure. like how you feel. It's just like you're not going to find Mr. Perfect because you're not perfect. Perfect doesn't exist, right? So yeah. I kind of like, and it has and, so much evidence in this of like these women passed up all these great guys and then they're 40 and stuck single and this girl was interviewing groups of them and they're like, oh yeah, I passed up this guy because he was going to be bald or whatever. And they're like, oh, where is he now? And they're like, yeah. married. They're married. You know, so it's like they pass him up for yeah. these little things that in the long run they would have been completely happy with. Yeah. So that's just something I've been trying to keep in mind. But I love that you are you have to always be like looking at your stock and maybe even taking those five yeah. pillars and reflecting them back into your own life and seeing like, how you fall in each of them and and in a sense what you have to offer right is your stock rising how are you bettering your life and that's always what people tell you to focus on anyways when you're single so 
I think yeah. I think we've had some really good thoughts here. I had another thought and another question for you, but it has left my mind. So if it comes back, I'll bring it up. But I want to kind of full circle back to just passions in general. Do you have a favorite quote or something you love in your life that we want to end with? Um, let's see. Um, I'm a big quote guy, but they're usually like long paragraphs that I don't memorize. That's all Um, right. Maybe you can send one. We can post it. Um, actually, you know what? I'm going to, you think about your question real quick. I'm going to find this quote real quick. It's in my, it's, it's, it's safe, but this is definitely one of my favorite quotes. Um, it's kind of about, um, just how, how it's so easy in life to feel like you have the rest of your life to do stuff and that life is, and that life is long and, and you don't really need to stress about it, but it it kind of, um, yeah, it kind of talks about how really, how limited everything is. Um, okay. It's by uh, Paul Bowles. Okay. Um, it says, because we don't know when we will die, we get to think of life as an inexhaustible well. Yet everything happens a certain number of times and a very small number, really. How many more times will you remember a certain afternoon of your childhood? Some afternoon that's so deeply a part of your being that you can't even conceive of your life without it. Perhaps four or five times more. Perhaps not even. How many more times will you watch the full moon rise? Perhaps 20. And yet it all seems limitless. And so, uh, so yeah, it's just to me a reminder, like, um, everything you have in life is limited. Like, like you said, there's all these books you want to read. It's like, you don't know the number, but you maybe have 400 more books you're going to read in your whole life. And and maybe that's ambitious. Maybe that's if you read a ton, maybe you'll only read another 25 books in your life, you know, um, mm. maybe, wow. you know, you know, there's certain friends that you see, you know, once every couple of years. It's like maybe you see them 10 more times in your life. Um, wow. But but you think, oh, you know, I'll see them. I see them all the time. I see them once a year. It's like, but it's all it's all very limited. And so I like to I like to just kind of think about that sometimes um, when I when I feel like sort of a, a general procrastination for life. Hmm. I like that. A general procrastination for life. I get that. That resonates because that happens to all of us, right? That's, I think, part of being human. Yeah. So to reflect yeah. and remember, like what we talked about in the first half of this episode, reflect on those things that make life life. I like that a lot. Yeah. And from today's whole episode, dating, loving life, passions, soul searching, depth, what is one uplifting takeaway you're going to take with you the rest of the week, the rest of the year? Hmm. Let's see. I did the majority of the talking. So what, um, this can be anything you've been just thinking about lately too. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Um, I, okay. Here's, here's something I've been thinking about a lot and this has to do with, you know, with my profession and my passions, but to me, I want to be, I want to live sort of a prolific life. You know, I want to, I want to, put out a million podcast episodes. I want to write as many books as I can. I want to just put out, put out, put out, put out, put out. And I think, I think you can use that same philosophy 
for really most areas of your life, even if you're not an artist, right? You you be prolific in in your friendships. You be prolific in your love. You be prolific in your kindness, hmm. and you just put you put out as much as you possibly can, and you don't worry about any negative things that come along the way. You're like, well, that sucked, but I need to put out more kindness. Like I need I need to like that last podcast episode was kind of weird kind of a bust whatever I need to put out another podcast episode you know mm. and and it's kind of a hard mindset to have some sometimes but yeah I just like the idea of like I look at my favorite like bands and artists musicians like yeah I love the one I love the ones that like almost every year they come out with a new album and, <laughs> like listen I'm a huge Taylor Swift fan Me too. I I love I love Taylor Swift with all my heart and she's prolific. Mm -hmm. She puts yeah. out amazing work year after year after year after year yeah. and show, shows no signs of slowing down. She's prolific with her concerts. She's prolific with her fans. She's prolific with her songwriting. She's just yeah. it's across it's the incredible. board. She, yeah. I, I get why you want to be prolific, prolific. And I Googled what it means for those who... <laughs> don't have a good vocabulary but it's like producing much fruit and like present in large num numbers or quanti quanti quantities so like producing a lot and I think the more you try that the more you might see failures but you also will see more successes there's like a trend on TikTok where it's like go out and get rejected because so many opportunities happen and you build yourself up when you get rejected I don't know it's kind of an interesting theory but I think my biggest takeaway from today's episode are those five pillars. I kind of want to make sure I'm including that in my reflection and just like yeah. who I'm becoming and who I want to find. And yeah, that was really helpful. And it's fun to get to know you. I'll tag you and people can look up your books and your podcast. Um, just awesome, awesome and great things. Taylor, thanks for sharing your wisdom and your thoughts. And yeah, guys, check out Taylor Church. And it's called Of Soul and Stone. No, what's your podcast? That's so almost close. Of Stone and Clay. Oh, Of Stone and Clay. There you have it, guys. Any last words, Taylor, signing off? Nope. Um, you know, come, uh, you know, the easiest way, if you're curious about the books or the podcast, just everything's on my Instagram. Just Perfect. Church 44. We'll tag him. Have a nice day, guys. See you later.